Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sipped. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. Such a madness around here. Welcome to DDP Today, a show that's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin, and tonight I am joined by one, two, three of my brothers. I'm going to start with my buddy right up to the north of me. Mike, how are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, off a couple of days. I'm glad I got to record with you guys tonight. Um, been doing some outside work. It's nice being able to do some outside work in October and being in the you know 70 degree range. So uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, other than that, kids are good. Family's good. Love and life. Everything is good. Yeah, something new that you called me with just uh, last week when you were saying, "Hey, I'm outside doing some work, and uh, I'm worried about getting bitten by snakes." You know, you're not used to that up north, uh, having copperheads and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't think. No, I was walking through the grass today because I was doing more of the outside landscaping lighting today, and uh, I was very cautious with where, where I took my steps. But uh, all's good. No snake bites, so I, I'm here, uh, here healthy and venom free. I absolutely love it. Uh, well, Mike is here. I am here, but also the amazing Mr. Joe Q is here. How are you, friend? What's going on, brother? How are you tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm doing great, man. Getting into the holiday spirit for Halloween. Uh, just did some uh, candy shopping tonight at Publix, getting the golf cart all decorated for uh, our Halloween in the neighborhood. I live kind of at the end of a cul-de-sac, so I have a... I love to give out candy to the kids, right? But they don't usually come to the end of my block, so I'm taking the golf cart out this year, and I'm actually going to bring the candy to the kids. I love so it. I got all I got the purple and orange lights on there, and... I just finished watching Hocus Pocus with my wife, never seen it before, and actually really enjoyed it. So really getting into the holiday, uh, Halloween spirit, holiday spirit, and uh, yeah, looking forward to a recording tonight as well. Can I tell you something? So my neighborhood was actually on the news, um, which look, uh, everybody but Dave has been to my house. Um, that's that's on purpose, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, but you guys know I live in a massive neighborhood. We were on the news this week because we are the largest neighborhood in Charleston for trick-or-treaters. We get people come from all over uh, the city, y'all come to a neighborhood, and they go all out for uh, for decorations like that. And something they do, Joe, there is a group of, of dads that have their golf carts, and they do tow-behind bars for the adults. That's so nice. So they, they tow around kegs and um, like shots and stuff like that. And so as you see them, they have candy for the kids, but they also they'll fill up your cup with beer. Uh, and stuff like that as you the, as you go. The parents have more fun than the kids do that. Oh, it's it's a whole <laughs> thing. Wait, so. Did you did you make local news? A local news, yeah. Or oh, that's really cute. Oh, oh. okay. Well, I, I tell you, before we get to Dave, I Joe, here's the thing, Joe. I you know what I you know what because my 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 neighborhood's been on national. But maybe. you know what I love is uh, is a good joke. You know what I mean? Um, so Joe, I want to oh, ask goodness. you a little joke. Joe, what did the podcast host say to the kangaroo? What did the podcast host say to the kangaroo? Hop on the show, Dave. How you doing, brother? It's good to see you, man. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, I wish it was good to see you, too. No, um, no, I love seeing you. That is true. Um, 
Uh, your jokes could use some work. You're you're not Jungle Cruise skipper materials just yet. Thank you for your audition. Um, but hey, I actually um, while we're talking about uh, fun things at Halloween, my uh, subdivision. Uh, in Orlando made national news a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it was pre-COVID because um, they were talking about how um, we do a thing in our area. Uh, we refer to it as booze and booze. Mm -hmm. And so it's trick or treat, booze and booze. And so all the kids go around trick or treating, but then the, uh, the houses have the, if they choose to partake in this, have like a secondary table. Yep which is just for the adults to walk up to. Um, my wife does these amazing pudding shots mm -hmm. uh, that are a thing of legend, and we literally have people come by just to try whatever she's trying out that year. Well, you know what? It's funny you say that because Katie, um, uh, the fun police, I can't remember who called her the fun police. I think it was Dan. Dan called her the fun police. Uh, she put, okay, she yep. put on her fun police hat. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Because this year, uh, my friend and I wanted to build a tiki bar in his driveway and go as yeah. the two characters from Cocktail. I would be Tom Cruise, of course, um, and he would be the other guy um, who no one remembers his we name. Say, of course. Um, anyway. And so, but we wanted to do that, and they're like, no, you're trick-or-treating. This is the last year the kids are going to want to do this. You're going around. So, it's like, that's all good. Oh. We can do that. So, uh, happy Halloween to everyone. I hope you have had an amazing Halloween. It'll, by now, time you listen to this, it will be after Halloween. And I have to take a second to say happy, happy birthday to my beloved wife. When this episode drops, it will be her birthday. And uh, I, uh, I love you dearly, and I hope that you have had an amazing day. You beat me to it because I had a note here saying uh, that my wife's uh, birthday is going to happen just before your wife's birthday happens um, <laughs> because mine is October 29th. <laughs> I'm a better husband. That's why. So, that's how yeah, that's <laughs> All right, fine. Be that way. Um, but yes, yeah, so happy birthday to Melanie. Oh, and also Katie. That's, yeah. that's right. So, uh, <laughs> I man, I tell you what, they, yeah, and it's talking about celebrating all throughout. They, it's, it's all around the Halloween spirit. And they go all out and enjoy this birthday. So happy birthday to uh, to both those amazing ladies. Uh, guys, I want to get right into the topic because this one is, I think, a lot of fun. This one has a lot to do with our Disney spirit, not only as hosts, but also a DDP family. It's something that we all chat about quite a bit. It's something that impacts the parks and impacts the Disney company uh, in such a big way that I think a lot of people don't realize the importance that it had all through the 90s. Uh, so tonight we're going to get into our first ever, we're going to go entertainment a little bit tonight, our first ever Top 10 Disney films from the 1990s. We are right in our listeners' wheelhouse, man. When we talk about Disney films from the 1990s, this is everyone's beloved time that they grew up and they watched those Disney films and fell in love with the Disney company and the Disney characters. So we're going to dive right into it. I'm going to get your guys' opinion on our list we came up with. There are a couple things that we went through uh, whenever we were talking about the classification of this list, why we had it where it was. And so I want to let you know, not only are we talking about, does the movie have to be great? Yes, the movie has to be fantastic. Does the movie have to uh, you know, make an impact on the Disney company and the Disney parks? Yes, it needs to certainly make an impact on the Disney company and the Disney parks. But we're also looking at soundtracks. We're looking at songs, and we're looking at characters. So it's not just our favorite movies. We think these are the 10 most important movies that we saw come out of the 1990s. Mike, if I told you, if I asked you just off the top of your head, how many films do you think the Walt Disney Company produced in the 1990s? Off the top of my head, I'm going to say about 35. 35, Joe? 
Uh, I think 92, 93, I'm going to say, something like that. Okay. Dave? Between animated, live action, uh, did they have to have a theatrical release? They had to have a theatrical release. Okay. Um, I think somewhere in the middle of that, maybe not quite as high as 90. Um, I, I, I'd go 80. I'd go 82. All right. You're very close. Joe wins, though. 93 theatrical oh, releases. Nice. Wow. Um, from 1990 all the way through 1999. Uh, started That's with, probably because he actually did research. Started with the first movie that came out in 1990. And Dave, it's one uh, that we can chat about for a bit because it is not on our list. Um, you know, when you were growing up, this is a movie that I'm thinking probably was important to you. And that is The Rescuers Down Under. <sighs> An incredible movie, Marahute as the Eagle. I mean, um, and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, played the vo- and I'm normally very good at saying it. Uh, played the role of Percival C. McLeach, um, a- an incredible voice actor. While I Google it real quick, unless you have it in front of you, yeah, um, I can get it for you. Let's see here. No, I got it. Percival C. No, I've already got it. Um, <laughs> what, 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 Bob why, Newhart. Why? No. Eva Gabor. You're just going through... Dude, I didn't um, realize... IMDb. Hold on a second. I did not realize the, the cast list on this movie. Yes. But Let me go through for a second. Bob, you. While you're looking for that. Bob Newhart, Eva Gabor, John Candy. Um, George C. Scott. George C. Scott, Yeah. Was Percival C. McLeach, um, such an iconic voice actor. John Candy played uh, the voice of the bird. Yes. Um, Bob Newhart. It's actually uh, Wilbur. Thank you. It's um, actually uh, Ava Gabor's, one of Ava Gabor's final acting credits uh, was Rescuers Down Under. Some iconic Iconic people. Um, and yes, I do love me some rescuers down under. Let me correct what I said. This was not theatrical releases, theatrical releases or TV movies. So those were oh, okay. those are your two, two ones. Because um, okay. the final nice. one comes out November 7th, 1999. And uh, it is on the uh, Wonderful World of Disney. And it is Annie, actually. Uh, Disney's rendition of Annie um, comes out. Oh, there and you that go. is the final movie that ends the 90s. But we are going to get into the middle of it. Because it is some of the most important time in Disney movie history, uh, and we're going to chat a little about it. And we're going to start off with our number 10. I am coming to uh, you, Mike, to see what you think about this one. Coming at number 10, a 1992 classic that takes us right into the holiday spirit, and that is The Muppet Christmas Carol. It is one of my all-time favorites with the absolutely incredible Michael Caine playing Scrooge. Muppet Christmas Carol, man. Oh, I love it. I, it. It was a resurgence for me because uh, my early childhood in the 70s and 80s when I was a young lad, um, The Muppet Show was part of my regular weekly stuff that I would watch. I mean, I grew up on The Muppet Show. Uh, I remember watching Mark Hamill and Chewbacca go on the, you know, when the Star Wars came <laughs> out. And I was such a big Star Wars fan to be able to see them in something else, you know, with Stormtroopers and be on The Muppet Show. And the weekly, the weekly shows, the weekly episodes was absolutely amazing. And then to have that little resurgence because they'd kind of gone away for a a while to have the Muppets come back and with the great movie that it was um, I think it was great it's one of my favorite movies to watch during the holiday season um, I think it's really really good I, I like I said I thoroughly enjoyed when it came back out again because it kind of gave new life to the Muppets and kind of brought, brought the newer generation into the whole Muppet genre of what they were all about 
you kind of nailed it too with the resurgence of the Muppets with the Disney company um, because we haven't seen the Muppets in in over a decade at this point to when they had been previously uh, had a movie. Uh, Joe, this is going to be a fun game to play because like you said at the beginning of the show, Joe, you know, Joe knows the parks, he knows the resorts, <laughs> entertainment and movies is not Joe's uh, for, uh, forte, but we are going to get your opinion on it anyways. Right. I'm going to be interested because you just watched Hocus Pocus for the first time, and I'm going like to say it. we probably will talk about that in a little bit, um, but Muppet Christmas Carol, have you ever seen it? I probably have a long time ago, man. I mean, like I said, I was a Muppet Babies kind of kid growing up in the 90s. Like, I liked the Muppets, watched it on TV. So I'm sure I did. I'm sure it's not in my it's not in my uh, rotation, per se, right now. But oh, I'm it sure should be it in your Christmas. Time. should be in your Christmas rotation because it's one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. And let me throw this out there, too. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is number one when we're talking about the all-time great Charles Dickens uh, a novel Christmas Carol. But Scrooge with Albert Finney is number two. And if you have not seen it, the musical, it is fantastic. Albert Finney is amazing in it. But we're going to get back to uh, our number 10, Muppet Christmas Carol. Dave, it's got to be high uh, on your priority list once it hits November 1st. Way up on my list. It's actually probably my favorite version, yes, of A Christmas Carol. Um, it, it's beautiful in that there's so many iconic lines from the original script. Uh, there's more of gravy than of grave about you. And uh, some of those iconic moments are from the script. And Michael Caine was always destined to be an incredible Scrooge. Yes. And then he was given the the vehicle of the Muppets to achieve it. Uh, it's wonderful. There's, there's, so, uh, there's some great moments where... Oh, I say things all the time. I say it's good to be heckling again if I'm ever picking on somebody, uh, which is one of uh, Waldorf and Stetler's lines in the movie where they're like, it's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Um, and um, and the other one is that I say all the time is even the vegetables don't like him. Yes, um, yeah. It's just these random little one-liners from it that I love so much. There's the, it, it, It's incredible. I love it. And I, it is definitely a must watch uh for our family during christmas um it's yeah i mean look it's it is a staple and i think you have to have it on your list i think if people go back it's gonna be fun to hear the ddp today family's opinion on this list oh there's gonna be some people lose their they're gonna lose their minds but i think whenever you look at this list in whole you have to understand the importance it plays on the disney company don't don't forget that fact of because it really is the resurgence of the Muppets that we see that now Disney really gets their hands on and brings them into the parks, brings them, you know, at the same time, we're getting the idea of Hollywood studios being built and opened uh, around 1992. And so we're starting to see the Muppets implemented there. We're starting to see that idea there. And so this is a big, uh, big moment for the Muppets and the Disney company as a whole to kind of come back into the mainstream. And it just goes absolutely not that it was super, super popular in the box office, but it has such a cult following um, of you know people that watch it every single year. It is on. There are pretty much three movies that are on when we're putting up our Christmas tree, and this is one of them, guaranteed. Every single year we're watching this. We're watching Elf, and we're watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, it is. <laughs> it's the greatest Christmas movie ever. Um, for those of you who are out there saying, "What about Christmas Story?" It's terrible. What's wrong with you all? Um, terrible. <laughs> do you all agree with me on that? Oh, I'm with you. Not that, not that Christmas Story is terrible. You like it? I love Christmas Story. Oh, it's horrible. No, it's so it's great. Oh, no. it's so good. 
I'll shoot your eye out. Okay, go ahead, buddy. Um, <laughs> they're bringing it back too. They're doing a read the uh, Ralphie's back. Are they back. doing a remake? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, really. Yeah, Ralphie's yeah. back. Yep. In, Ralphie's back. Ralphie's forty-two. Yeah. Ralphie, in, Ralphie in a was gutter. an elf. That, that, that's amazing that Ralphie's an elf too. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Yes, Ralphie is an elf. Yes. M- move, moving on to number nine, guys. Uh, Dave, this is one of those that we start to see an idea form within the Disney company that they can go back and take classic animation and bring it into a live action format. And that is 101 Dalmatians. I, I, an, an iconic movie in its own right, the original release, uh, it was important to the Disney company uh, when they were making it. It uh, was one of the first movies that used um, a different size lens to be able to shoot in. Um, and I could talk at length about the original, but moving to the live action, um, a, a great, it's got to be up there as one, and it, it's got to be up there as one of the best live action makes of any um, any animated movie and uh, they, and it was done so early in the piece. I think it gave them the, the gusto to be able to say, yes, we can do this. We can do it. Well, uh, some great casting moments because of course, Glenn Close, uh, as Cruella DeVille, uh, who we, I now get to see almost daily playing Irani Rael, um, at, uh, Guardians of the <laughs> yep. Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, um, because she does make an appearance in that. And, um, and then, um, Jeff Daniels, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, Jeff Daniels, like just an an all star cast of um, some great actors that um, I just love Hugh Laurie in general as well. So, um, but yeah, so uh, a really good fun movie uh, and that iconic scene of her winding up in the molasses at the end. You know, it's one of those things yeah. too, Dave. Where, like you said, one, it's Hugh Laurie's, I think, big break. Um, where he really gets his start in, you know, he had been such a he had been a stage actor. Do you mean? Do you mean when? Do you mean when the American audiences discovered exactly. that he yeah. was a genius? Uh, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Okay, just yeah. check because everybody else in the world knew. Just we had never seen you make his correct. way over uh, to, to the states, but um, it is his moment to shine Ridiculous. in this in this movie, and he becomes one of my like I said. Can I? Or here's a funny story. So Katie and I if start. You, uh, if you want to see Hugh Laurie, go back and watch Black Adder. Black uh, Adder, and then Black Adder, A D D E R. It's got Adder, um, Adder. It's, yes, it's got Ro- Adder. Adder. It's got Adder. Rowan Atkinson. Shush. It's got Rowan Atkinson in it uh, as well, who is obviously the vo- the original voice of Zazu yeah. uh, and Mr. Bean. So uh, if you want to see Hugh Laurie, uh, a very young Hugh Laurie, um, doing some incredible acting um, and just all-round shenanigans, go and watch Black Adder. 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 Black Adder. Black Adder. <laughs> Keep going. Um, ha- have you watched Avenue 5, by the way, Dave? Uh, Avenue Five's on HBO. No. It's Hugh Laurie's new project. Joe, have you watched it? Oh, oh, it's good. Uh, you guys no. check it out. It's a, it's a comedy. It's definitely not kid friendly. So if we're listening to this, uh, please watch it. Uh, just the adults. Um, Mike, you know, One Hundred One Dalmatians. It's such a great story. And like I said, the animated version is fantastic. This for me, it, it's funny because whenever it seems like Disney took a, a hiatus away from doing live action films for a long time, and then they got back to it, and they're like, okay, cool. Hey, we have this great you know, catalog of, of animation that we can draw from. 
So we're going to knock out all these, you know, Lion King and, and all this stuff that we can we can use. But I think, like Dave said, it was because they did such a good job with this that it really stands the test of time. And I think, I, to be honest, I think 101 Dalmatians may be still to this day one of the top three best live actions they've ever done of the animation. Uh, in all transparency, out of the 10 on the list, this is the one live action movie that I haven't oh, seen. Oh, you need seen to a see it. Of, no, and I've seen the, I've seen obviously the other ones that have been out recently. I've seen the Beauty and the Beast. I've seen the Lion King. Yeah. And they are all fantastic. But this is one of them that I haven't seen yet. And, um, and I actually saw the new Cruella. So I've watched that. Yeah. But I haven't watched this older one from the 90s yet. This is, uh, this is not something that's been in my wheelhouse. And out of the 10 movies we saw, that's one that I haven't seen yet. Out of, out of all 10, it's the only one on there that I haven't seen. I think you'd really enjoy it. I really do. I think, Dave, I think it stands up. Uh, it 100% stands up. It's true to the original script, um, but also takes some modern twists on it. And as I said, a great cast of uh, actors doing a tremendous job. You know, the best thing too, Mike, it's not the dogs aren't CGI. So they, they use real dogs. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot um, like some other you know films they did. Um in, in the nineties that had dogs and stuff like that in them that maybe could have made this list that, uh, <laughs> that, that, um, you know, are so good because they see, they are real. They're not, you know, you, you don't, you know, that's not CGI going on. Um, I think you would really enjoy it, man. You might want to put this one on your list. That's something that you and La I think Laura would love this. You guys we love dogs, Cru dude. Yeah. yeah Cruella, Cruella was great. So I, you know, Cruella I have no was really watching this. Yeah, so I, I'll definitely, that'll be under my, on my short list of things to watch. And I'm sure, you know, obviously with the success of that spawned a lot of the other ones that I truly like. So I'll definitely have to give that one a shot. Yeah. Uh, Joe, have you seen this? I have not, unfortunately. Uh, unlike Mike, uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of these I haven't seen on here. But uh, I've seen like the previous four. I remember when it did come out. It looks good. It's just one of those ones I just haven't gotten around to see yet. But um, yeah, there are a few on the list that eventually I will have comments for. To make an adult <laughs> reference really quick, when are we going to have a clockwork orange moment and just put Joe in a room and hold his eyelids open and just make him watch <laughs> Disney films well, listen, for I an did, extended period of time? I voluntarily watched Hocus Pocus tonight and loved it, so I'm getting around to it. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we're moving on to number eight. Uh, I'm coming. Joe, I'm coming to you. Yeah, that's what I have watched. <laughs> boom. I knew it. Good. Um, this movie, look, for me, this if we uh, there was a question on the Patreon last week that said, name a movie that... Uh, kind of represents your childhood or, or you would make you think of your childhood. This movie's there. I watched this movie over and over and over and over again. The movie was so popular, uh, Joe, that it went on to uh, encourage a brand new sports franchise. And we're That's talking right. about the incredible <laughs> 1992 film, The Mighty Ducks, starring Emilio Estevez. Uh, Joe, what do you think, man? Yeah, I love it. I'm actually a fan of Mighty Ducks uh, D2, believe it or not, more than the original or the third. Uh, but I will include that in what we're talking about tonight. But uh, yeah, wait, D2 is when That's they, when they go to the Olympics. That's the Olympics. The, uh, the uh, Goodwill yeah. Games, yes, yeah. and they played the Dyson. college. Yes, yeah, the well, college one is one, terrible. Half, yeah, the third one not good. They should have just stopped when after two. But uh, you know why though, Joe? Because they put in all those like goofy sound effects, like whoop, 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 whenever they go yeah. across the, the ice it's, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just not. It's not good. But the original yeah. one was great. You know, it's kind of like a, a '90s version of Bad News Bears. You know, but on a hockey. Uh, you know, with, with hockey as a kid growing up playing street hockey and pond hockey in new jersey uh i was 12 years old when this came out this was in my wheelhouse absolutely loved it 
uh, great uh, you know plot line with Emilio Estevez, you know getting the you know the DUI and having to coach the hockey team and all that kind of good stuff. So great movie. Uh, obviously, like it spawned a, a sports franchise with the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. And I remember being in grammar school and when that jersey came out, even though. Mike knows when you were a Rangers fan or an Islanders fan or a Devils fan, everybody still wanted that Mighty Ducks jersey with the, you know, from from the movie and stuff. So, uh, I mean, still to this day, I mean, they still wear the Anaheim Ducks now. They're no longer the Mighty Ducks. Still wear that logo on their jersey. So it's a, um, it's something that still lives in infamy today uh, on the ice in the NHL. But love the movie. It was great. I love the second one even better. But uh, yeah, this is one that definitely reminds me of my childhood. That's for sure. Um, Mike, you know my my Mighty Ducks, my my. Uh, U11 soccer team that I coach. We took our first win of the season this past this past Tuesday, and uh, I feel like I am Gordon Bombay minus the DUI because uh, <laughs> we are a bit of a, a bit of a Mighty Ducks team. I love. It. I don't really have an Adam Banks on my team. I kind of need to pull one, uh, you know, over <laughs> over from the Hawks. But um, but I'm hoping that maybe I'll get one. But but with that said, dude, you were nodding your head. I mean, look, when we started coming up with this list, I think a lot of people were like. It should be this animation, this animation, this animation, because it's movies you love. But when you talk about the impact, I don't know if there's a movie in history that has created a sports franchise before. No, and you know, back in the '90s, like teal colors were very popular. You know, like uh, the Charlotte Hornets and some of those. You know, the the, the their whole look, the duck bill. Um, the you know the duck bill face mask and all of that everybody like Joe said everybody had those jerseys no matter wh- no matter what team you rooted for you sported those jerseys in high school you sported them around the neighborhood uh, it was the cool thing to do it was the cool thing to wear everybody had to see that movie it was super popular I loved it it was definitely one of the important movies of my childhood I liked it a lot like you said the importance of it yeah I can't think of any other movie that that spawned a you know i mean there are tons of movies that have been about some amazing sport franchises but none that actually spawned the franchise you know i mean obviously like you know rudy being one of the best sports movies and you know some of the other ones that talked about some of the amazing franchises but not one that actually spawned one and i guarantee if you go to an nhl arena today there will be somebody walking around with a an original uh ducks jersey on the green ones from the original film there's always an adult still wearing one of those jerseys that they actually they sell still to this day you'll still see somebody it's a ranger game or an islander game or whatever they will still have that on i guarantee it well you know what's funny too is like this like let's talk about rick reagan right now you know like we're this is a the twin cities ice hockey league up there like people from that area hockey is everything um and to uh, there's what i love about the disney company disney, disney company understood in the 90s that we can put out sports movies some were not as good as others um you know but we can put out sports movies that will represent multiple uh um facets of of america you know like they put out a soccer movie they put out uh, a football movie you know they put out this stuff and like i said some are better than the others the mighty ducks just hit i mean the mighty ducks was just that movie that caught on and it became a really a generational now now that you have the Mighty Ducks on Disney Plus, you know, the series, there was an animated series that came out. I think they did like 26 episodes. Um, and like you said, the three, the three movies, Mighty Ducks one, two, and three. So for those people who love hockey, it's a great, you know, introduction into the Disney company. Like that, that's what I think a lot of people miss is we're Disney fans. You know what I mean, Dave? Like we're, we're the type of people who we're going to watch anything Disney puts out because we love it. 
But right. whenever they do stuff like this, it honestly it grabs other people, and it's kind of what they're doing in the parks right now with Star Wars and Guardians, and you know, like like they're bringing in people left Tron and bringing in people left and right that maybe wouldn't be interested in Mickey and Minnie, but now are interested because it's something outside of the Fab Five and outside of what everyone expects Disney to be. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like this was a an original like it wasn't an original storyline as you said there's so many similarities to other things but it was a like they they created this variation on this storyline and did something truly original for for that element of it got a different sport to to hitch the wagon to and and really rode it hard like i mean there's once again we can talk uh, and one of the things i keep coming back to is like how much these things stick in your mind i mean still to this day if somebody says something even mildly or inspiring or inspirational in a speech of some description i walk away going quack Quack, 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 quack. Just because, like, it's my it's my verbiage for I feel fired up. Um, and these these movies became so ingrained in us that yeah, there was so many uh so many things that they brought to it. So uh, absolutely, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, coming in at number eight, the Mighty Ducks, the nineteen ninety two classic that still is there to this day. Let's move on to number seven, guys. One of my favorite movies ever created um it pained me not yes. to make this higher on the list but whenever we talk about i think it should it's be probably should be whenever we talk about the 1995 classic that involves in the it's the only time in the 1990s that we see a fab five character make a big screen debut and that is mm. a goofy movie dave all right so Goofy movie is important for many reasons. A, power line is incredible. Um, the music is wonderful. and But it's really important from the point of view that it grew out of it grew out of a, a, Saturday, a, a Disney afternoon mm -hmm. TV show. Um, it was never intended to be this big, as big as it was, but our introduction to Max and Goof Troop, uh, in 1992, uh, was so profound, uh, and so, and, and felt so, so far and wide that they went, oh, we can, we can do this. Like we're going to do a movie and, um, there's some great scenes in it, um, with, um, what is it where they visit the possum, the possum park? park? Yeah. Oh, I love possum park and possum park. I, I, the other day, literally yesterday, I went and watched country bear jamboree, uh, in the, in magic kingdom. And while I was sitting there, part of me was like this. And I always think of it when I'm in that moment, I'm like, this is 100% what possum park was like poking fun at. Okay, like there's no two ways about it. Possum Park is really them going, what if Country Bear Jamboree was on the side of the road? At the Lester's Possum <laughs> Park. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, <laughs> um, so there's that. And uh, it, it gave us more insight into Max and Pete and his son. There's just some great um, interactions between characters there. And um, as far as far-reaching and impacts uh, on the overall company, we still have this year as part of our Halloween parade, the pre-parade became um, 
uh, Max dressed as Powerline mm-hmm. uh, dancing down the street doing some standout and eye to eye. God, they're good songs. Oh, dude, so here's the thing. <laughs> this movie hits in two ways. One, um, Mike, whenever you think about this movie, I watched it as a kid. And as a kid, I loved it because I thought, I'm Max. You know what I mean? Like, I am that kid who, like, you're starting to get, like, into your teens and you have crushes and you have all this going on in life and you think your parents are dumb and you just, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And then you start to realize that, oh, no, they're just, they're doing everything out of love. You know, you you have that moment that goes on as a kid. Fast forward. 25 years, 20 years, whatever. Now I'm a dad. Now this movie hits completely differently. I mean, when we talk about the fact when they are in on the car, in the car and on the car, because the car ends up in the river, um, and they're doing on the open road. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Uh, doing on the open road, and you realize that all Goofy wants is just to spend time with his son and to have that one last moment with his son, Mike, you have teenage daughters. You have one daughter that now is in college, one daughter's in high school. You probably feel the same way Goofy does, where you're like stealing those moments. You know what I mean? You're like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I'm going to have that moment. This one hits me differently now than it did 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, I try same thing. I try and grab those moments. Like you know, Sarah was home from school the other day, and she wanted to go and do something. And I got to spend twenty minutes with her, and that was a fantastic thing because you know she's kind of off doing her own thing, and we don't get to see her that much. Um, I kind of relate to. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely off base. But do you think that the Goofy movie in the '90s was similar to maybe like the Turning Red now of the of, the, of this decade of the one of the that. newest Disney movies that came out? Maybe a comparison there of you know teenage with Max and you know the, the young childhood and you know the '90s version of what that is and Turning Red's more of an, an adult version of not an adult version but a, a more modern version of, yeah. of similar movies. Do you see the comparison? You're there? going or, through my, yeah yeah you're going through that it's it's that child going through that phase of understanding that they they are trying to make it on their own for the first time in life. Mm-hmm. And that's what Max is doing. That's what ha- is happening in Turning Red as well. So, Yeah, very yeah. cool. I, I love it. Um, Joe, have you seen this movie? It's been a long time. Man. The one thing I remember about this movie is... Uh, if you said no, no I was no, no, about no. to clockwork <laughs> no, orange you. Okay. <laughs> listen, I love Goofy, right? I, listen, I re- listen, the one th- couple things I remember about this movie is, listen, I don't know... It's going to end this call. I don't know all like, of the intricate done. plot lines. You guys remember Goofy trying so hard and Max being so hard on him. And I was like, my heart broke for Goofy, all right? I was like, dude, he's trying so hard to be a good dad and you're just not making it easy on him. So that's kind of what I remember about a Goofy movie. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah. So yeah, this is kind, kind of sad, this, actually. But. This movie, Dave, is, um, like I said, it's it's the only time we see the Fab Five, one of the Fab Five on a theatrical release in the 1990s, period. Um, and I mean, outside of Muppet Christmas Carol, which actually you don't get a Muppet Christmas Carol at all. So no, you don't get anybody there. Only the Muppets. Um I was thinking of Mickey's, uh, but that wasn't a theatrical release. Um, yep. So, but yeah, it, it, for me, it has to be high on the list. I mean, anytime you have an original Disney character stepping out and creating a, a, a movie that then goes on, you want to talk about, we're going to go back at the end of this, and I'm going to go through the list, okay? And we're going to vote on what has the biggest cult following. I don't think this will win, but it's way up there, Dave. 
I think, I think it should win. I'm looking at the list and I think we'll, we'll touch on it, but I guarantee you, even in the middle of Halloween, when there are other things that will possibly make an appearance in, on, on this list that could potentially be on t-shirts, I ha- see more Powerline and Goofy Movie t-shirts. There's, there's an entire uh, thing of Roxanne t-shirts at the moment. Uh, Roxanne. In the nope, different Roxanne. It's the girl from Roxanne. Goofy Movie. You're doing great. Um, but, um, the, where I'm talking every single day in the parks, I see a goofy movie t-shirt. Like, I think this might be a strong contender. It's way up there. I've got a couple, I really do have a couple, 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 uh, T-shirts from this movie because I love it. I have a power so line you, T-shirt. Even you've got T-shirts. Of course you do. Well, but also my my wardrobe is made up of ninety percent Disney T-shirts, three percent Halloween Horror Nights T-shirts, and seven percent Kentucky okay. T-shirts, and that's it. So, dude, I can I can tell you that the the back of the Powerline shirt for his nineteen ninety five tour. Uh, it says Auckland and then Sydney are the two cities uh, on the back of that shirt without even looking, okay? Uh, because one of my things that I love to randomly say to guests because I say a bunch of weird stuff sometimes is I'll be like, oh my goodness, I was at the Sydney concert in the 95 standout tour. And then I just walk away because um, that's just weird. But yeah. Um. <laughs> I absolutely love it. All right, let's move on. We ready? Yes. Moving on to number six. I've been waiting. Joe's ready. Yes, I I've am. been waiting. Joe, I've been waiting years to do this on the what was the Dizzy Dads podcast and now DDP Today. We ready? Yes. Coming in number six, the 1993 classic, and I'm going to join it with this. Sisters! Hocus Pocus. Uh, coming in wow. at number six. Um, I smell children. Um, Mike, this is one. Of, actually, you know what? I'm going to go Joe first because he Thank just. You. Finished. He's literally done the this research. movie. Well, and uh, it somebody is who's the first uh, finished time seen it. Watching this jo- about ten minutes ago, literally. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's get your opinion on it. Um, look, this this play. Let me give let me give the reason it's here really quickly. The reason it falls in this spot is because one, we talked about cult classic. It's there. It also it ends up playing a massive massive role in the Disney parks during the Halloween season. And now we've seen the reboot in 2022 with Hocus Pocus two on Disney Plus. Um, it falls there because. I really do think when we look at the live action films in the '90s, there wasn't there was actually kind of a uh, a setback with live action films. If you look through, there wasn't a lot of great quality that came out in the '90s compared to the animation side, um, which we're going to get into in the top five, I am certain. Um, but Joe, I want to get your opinion. Hocus Pocus. I can't believe this is this is like breaking news because there is no other Disney podcast out there that could have someone who just watched Hocus Pocus for the first time because you're the last person on earth that has seen this movie. Off you go. And especially <laughs> since my wife actually likes the movie and has seen it many, many times, uh, she's a huge SJP fan. So she's like. Yeah, you've never seen this. I'm like, no, babe, I've never seen this. So literally just watched it. Uh, finished about maybe 20 minutes ago before we got on the show. It's a great combination of cheesy 90s acting, but with a great plot. Great acting. Uh, Bette Miller was amazing. SJP was amazing. And the chick from Sister Act, she was great as well. Uh, and I like the fact that they all come back for Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, you know, it was, it was a fun movie. It was fun. I was never bored through the hour and 36 minutes of it. And uh, I was hoping that it would finish before we recorded so I could talk about it since I knew it was on the list. But uh, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it's something I will probably make a tradition of because it was just a fun movie. 
It's hard to describe. It was good. It was cheesy enough, uh, but yet innocent at the same time. It's perfect 90s Disney movies. I think you nailed it. And I think Mike, he, he said it too. Is this a staple for your family this time of year? Yeah, this is, this is you know, like you said, you have your Christmas rotation. This is definitely part of the Halloween rotation. Um, it's definitely in the top five in the Halloween rotation. Is You know, we're, we're big horror fans, too. But this is one of those kind of, you know, family-like kind of movies where we like to watch the uh, the, the Sanderson sisters. So uh, Hocus Pocus is definitely on our list. We have not, because the, the whole family hasn't been together, and we've been saying we want to do it, watched Hocus Pocus 2 yet. That is definitely on our list of things to do. Once we can get the whole crew together and, you know, have a family night, we have to watch that. We have to watch the new Halloween movie. Those are the two that we're looking oh, to I've see. Seen so, uh, is it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that one. So, as soon as uh, Sarah has a night where she's not out partying like a rock star and she can come give her parents a little bit of time, uh, the four of us are going to sit down and watch those two movies together and have a little bit of a marathon. So, um, I love that he says that as if like she tunes in every week to listen to DDP today and it's like some <laughs> passive aggressive. Come on, Sarah, come if home. She would come home. <laughs> If she would come um, home, little and spend time Sarah, with her parents. I'll take listen, the away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. Um, Hocus Pocus Two, Mike, is very. It's fun. Let me put it like that. Okay, it's fun. It's not the first one. The first ten minutes is amazing. Let me let me go. And, uh, I'm going to say it before anyone else says it because I'm telling you right now. Wait and see. Two years from now, the children that. I'm not giving spoilers. The children that play the Sanders sisters in the first 10 minutes of the movie will have their own mini series on Disney plus in the next two years guaranteed because they're incredible. They're amazing. And they're a lot of fun. It's my favorite part of the entire movie. I think movie. I saw that in a tweet. You're not the first so, to say Who said that. it? Maybe not. <laughs> I think I saw that in a tweet. Did you? I don't tweet. I twit. Yeah. So yeah. Justin, um, let, me, let me ask you guys a question real quick. As somebody yeah. just really enjoyed, am I going to be disappointed with the, with the sequel? Is it going to be one of those ones where I'm like, they shouldn't have made it? Like, yes, no. it's great they brought the, ca- no. the original cast back, but am I going to be disappointed? Is they the use the same the 90s campy kind of fun. Okay, with all right. As long it's as not- you have that mindset and you're not looking for 2022, you know, Humor? I think that's what makes it. I think that's what makes it so great is that '90s. It's not like overly produced. Uh, I enjoyed it, man. It's got the I innocence. Did. All right, I enjoyed it. I, I, I may watch it, it tonight. No, I enjoyed it. It's not as good as the first one, but I enjoyed it. Um, Dave, this was not supposed to be what it is. This w- this movie was supposed uh, was well, never was in, never in supposed to be ways. popular. To be honest, <laughs> that is a great way to describe this. Um, this and this leads back to what Joe was saying in its campiness and uh, its nineties campiness is that this was never meant to be a theatrical release movie. This was actually meant to be. This was originally pitched as a storyline for a Disney Channel original movie in the mid nineties, um, and. Disney Channel original movies, there was some hit and miss in the mid to late 90s, but they really didn't hit their stride until those 2000s um, when they latched onto um, High School Musical and some of those sorts of moments. Um, but they they took this Disney Channel original movie and said, oh, we've secured some big names, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, uh, Bette Midler, and as... Uh, as Joe likes to refer to her, that chick from <laughs> Sister Act. 
<laughs> um, Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Now, so. uh, her name is Kathy, and um, and they got they chick sister. <laughs> anyway, um, they got these three uh these three actors um that the, were well recognized that um had names, particularly Bette Midler as a as a recording artist uh, during that time. Beaches is so uh, good. And movies ah. Beaches is a great movie. I have seen Under that. the Bridge. Oh. Anyway. Under the Boardwalk. Um, Sorry. I'm thinking so about how Chili Peppers under, together. I knew, yeah. Wow. Under the Bridge. Very different. I would love to hear Bette Midler do a rendition of Under the Bridge. <laughs> Babysitter's Club, um, Dave. Babysitter's Club. Okay. Cool. Anyway. So, um, and they said, well, if we've got these big names, why don't we uh, pivot it into a, a theatrical release? And this movie tanked. Go back and look at its numbers. It did not do well. It should, uh, the release date was great to lead into the Halloween season. Like, well, it was bumped a little forward, but like, it still should have like been starting to get people into that vibe and it, it tanked big time. Um, and it really didn't hit its stride until it started to be released on uh, VHS and DVD and rerun on Disney Channel, that it started to develop this cult following that came after it. Uh, we definitely see that impacting it now in the parks um, and the, uh, literally thousands of people that have stood um, in 90 degree weather at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. at night waiting to watch a show on the stage of the sisters um, as part of the Halloween party like um, and the, then the uh, the creation of Hocus Pocus 2 uh, this year like we've seen it definitely has the cult following now but it really didn't and it then made them a little more gun shy to take something that was a Disney Channel original movie and say, hey, this might be good. Let's put it as a put it as a theatrical release. And we didn't see that again for like 15 years until we got to like High School Musical 3, where they had then already established the following and said, this will be able to hold its own. Um, and they gave High School Musical 3 a, the a theater release purely because they knew that it was going to be at least semi-successful. So... Um, a big important movie for how the Disney company makes movies, what they thought of them and how they then decided to, um, what, how, what, how, what am I trying to say? What vehicle they mm -hmm. uh, use to release the movie? Well, even more so now than any time, because now having Disney plus, you know, they're able to utilize this type of film that maybe isn't built for. You know, really, nothing's really built for TV anymore. We don't really see a standard, um, you know, I just have cable television. And, you, you know, there, it's all streaming service. And so now that they have Disney Plus and the popularity of it, you know, it falls just behind Netflix as the most popular streaming service on the planet. Um, you know, it, it, for me, they're able to go back and, and go to the, some of these classic films that, that maybe they wouldn't have done otherwise. And I think that's really important for the Disney brand. And I think it's really important for our generation that love things like Hocus Pocus so much that now we get to see them over and over again with these remakes, with these, and even taking them, not even as movies, but maybe going into a miniseries or a series and being able to do it. You know, Mike, we talked about the Star Wars aspect of, of Disney Plus and how they've been able to add to the story over and over again. Now they're able to do that with movies like Hocus Pocus too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 
we've, we've seen that, but hopefully we'll see more of it develop. I, I like the idea of them bringing in more of the stories and some of the backstories and some of the lines. I'm loving the whole Star Wars thing. Um, I got to talk to some of my Star Wars people. I'm not crazy about the whole new Endor series. Uh, I'm only up to episode six, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, Hocus Pocus, definitely, we love it. I'm looking forward to seeing the Hocus Pocus too with the family. Well, we're going to move on to number five. We're getting to our top five of the ten most popular, uh, not even most popular, the most important movies in Disney Company uh, history in the 1990s. Moving in at number five, Mike, I'm coming right back to you. Because this, for me, this would have been your number one. If I had said, Mike, make me a list, Mike would have said, cool, this is my number one, two, three, and four. Uh, I'm going to put it on this list because for you, this movie stands very, very high in your family. We are talking about The Amazing, 1993, the stop-motion classic by The Amazing Tim Burton, bringing both together not only Halloween, but Christmas, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mike, it's just one of the best. Yeah, Jack Skellington, I love you know, I love him. We're talking about the cult, you know, the the cult followings. I think when we start talking about the cult followings when it comes to some of these other movies, yes, some of them have it, but I think to me, this personally has the biggest one. Uh, we see the popularity when you have the Halloween uh, you know, the, the Halloween parties at Magic Kingdom, what the lines are like to meet Jack Skellington, what the uh, what the overlay people love to go to Disneyland and see that over in the um, you know in the haunted mansion and that that the uh, over in Disneyland area. Um, I love Jack. We love the we love the whole story. He's a great character. He's you know wants more for himself. Wants to you know be Santa Claus. Wants to take on. He's kind of not happy with his life, and but then he falls in love and has Sally. I mean, there's so many different little variables to the story. And then to have the whole stop animation technology was very very cool um i love it the characters are so well done uh, you know my whole left side of my leg is you know the nightmare before christmas so we talk about cult followings i don't know if there's a lot of people out there with the sanderson system tattoos but there's definitely a lot of people out there with nightmare before christmas tattoos i know that for sure 100 percent. can i tell you guys my favorite thing about this episode and it's about to happen here in about 15 seconds i like to play has joe seen this movie joe have you seen The Nightmare Before Christmas? Uh, so the one thing I'm going to say is I'm glad we were in a virtual environment with Mike and Dave here. I've seen about 15 minutes of it, and it wasn't my style. I stopped watching it. And I, I'm, it's not. Could somebody take a screenshot of Dave's uh, face right now and put that in our Facebook group? <laughs> I've seen about 15 minutes of it. I didn't like it, and I shut it off. I haven't seen it since. Sorry. I'm not going to lie. I can't lie to our DDP family. Haven't seen it. I know it's, I know. I would say this without even seeing it. I agree hundred percent with Mike that there is a, if there is a <laughs> cult following, this movie is it. I, I haven't seen it, but I agree. I with agree Mike. with Mike. This is, this is the cult following. This, way to, way to wiggle out of trouble on that you one. You got like that right? one. Say. Wow. But, that, but it's one of the, it just, it doesn't, it's, it didn't suit my style. I just never got around to seeing it again. I'll tell you this. The next time any of us are all together, we're drinking beers, having a good time. Throw this movie on. We'll watch it. It's an I'll hour and twenty six minutes, or an hour. Right, so and, I don't okay, think it's that long. I'll watch it after this show. I'll delay Hocus Pocus two. For it's another legitimately night and I'll watch one it of those. It's. I think it's an hour and sixteen minutes. It's. It's super yeah. short. Um, I'm gonna take up for Joe. Okay, I'm gonna take up for Joe. It's okay, buddy. All right. I. I, I here. Here's why. I wish as a Disney fan, I had moments that I could be like, oh, wait, I haven't seen that movie. I'm going to have a Disney first, and that's awesome. You know what I mean? So I love the fact that you're going to get to go experience this stuff for the first time. So I'm going to take up for you, and I'm here for you, brother, okay? I appreciate it, man. I got you. Also, I'm going to I'm also give you credit because this is like if all four of us were at the bar, right, and we're all sitting there, and we're all in a row, and we're all in college, 
and we're all in the same with the same math class. And I look at Dave and I go, Dave, Miss Henderson, man, she's uh she gave us that test tomorrow. You've you looked over it? And Dave goes, Yeah, I'm ready. Studied. And I go, Cool, yeah, me too. I've been studying, I've been looking over it, I'm ready to go too. And we look over, Hey Mike, you ready for that test tomorrow? And Mike goes, Yeah, man, dude, I, I know this inside and out. I could do this math with my eyes closed. And then we look down, and Joe just looks down cross-eyed, drunk, and goes, what English test? <laughs> <laughs> but yet, he shows up to the test, so I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm, like, sweating right now, man. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> oh, dude. My credibility just goes down every ridic- show. It just the only thing down. I find ridiculous about that is that the three of you, you think the three of you are going to be in the same math class. Exactly. Like, awesome. I would be in a um, One, I was in Math 109 three times in college, so it's fine. Um, Dave, Nightmare Before Christmas. How important is this movie to the Disney company? This uh, this movie is really important to the Disney company. Um, I was shocked and appalled and continue to be that Joe hasn't seen it. Yes, I've seen it. I am not as committed to this as many others. Um, like, I, I enjoy it. I um, It's not a... Like, you should definitely see it because it is a great storyline. Um, have I seen it in the last couple of years? No, I'm okay. Um, so I, I apologize, Mike. Um, but at least I've seen it, which <laughs> puts me one peg above somebody else on this. Um, but yeah, like, um, I, I, yeah, as I said, I know lots of people do. Um, Particularly at the moment, yes, I see a lot of people. I have definitely seen people with Hocus Pocus tattoos. Um, so I don't know if there's as many as um, Jack Skellington and Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I always get confused as to whether this is a Halloween movie that involves Christmas or a Christmas movie that starts during Halloween. Um, Mike? Mike? Well, I mean, it's Jack Skellington. It's based on Halloween, who wants to be right. like Christmas. So I would say it's more of a Halloween movie than a Christmas movie. Um, you know, he he, you know, in the end, he you know tries you know his best to make it a you know to be Sandy Claus, but he you know doesn't. But really But the do majority well of the movie takes place during Christmas or the lead up to it. Like, yeah, but a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the main characters are Halloween Town characters. You know, when you watch Stock and Barrel well. and Oogie Boogie. Uh, and, I do like. Them. So, okay, so yeah. I, I could say I, I would I would lean more towards it, it puts me in more of a Halloween mood than it does a Christmas mood. I don't I don't get the same okay. kind of you know warm fuzzy feelings out of a Christmas movie that I do with uh, you know with that. That's that's more of the Halloween movie to me. Um, I don't I just I you know I just think it's a little bit of everything besides the besides him not being happy with where he is in life and trying to go do something else. He falls in love in the meantime. You know the the whole love story between him and Sally is is a, you know the the true love with the two of them. So um, I, I think it's. Uh, like I said, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. So um, that's, that's why it's one of my top favorites. Um, I absolutely love it. We're going to move on to number four, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas coming at number five there from 1993. Look, we're coming in at number four. Four, three, two, one are some of the most important Disney movies ever made in history. So although you might not agree with our uh, with our you know five and on, these, these four are, are super important. And really, I think other than number one, they could be – they could be maybe maybe one and two. These four and three could be interlocked here. 
Coming in at number four um, is the 1994 classic. It's the first time we start to say the name Jeffrey Katzenberg um, and the importance that he has on Disney animation, and that is The Lion King. Dave, um, The Lion King comes in. It is a box office smash. Uh, Everyone loves it. We have great, great, great actors, voice actors with uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, John Taylor Thomas, Jeremy Irons coming in, Scarlett James Earl Jones, the fantastic as Mufasa, um, it, it, Nathan Lane, of course. I mean, there's so many great ones out there. The Lion King coming in at number four of the most important movies to Disney Company in the 1990s. I think it's right where it needs to be. It's 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 a Disney classic. It, not a, this is This is one of those moments where these four movies that we're about to go through and particularly with Lion King uh, in its spot right there at number four, um, you could argue, yes, it might should possibly be bumped up a little bit on uh, into two or three. Um, but overall, not just for the 1990s, this is way up on the list of moments in the Disney company from a movie-making standpoint. My, my thoughts go to um, there's a story... Uh, that I've seen somewhere in a special features at some point um, where, and I don't know if it was Jeffrey Katzenberg telling the story or uh, one of the other um, major players in that particular movie, but um, they, they were talking about how there was a sense of uh, uncertainty yeah. with regard yeah. to this movie. They weren't sure that it was going to. And there was a moment where they sat around and watched one of the first um, mock-ups of the storyboard with a little bit of the animation that had been completed so far. And um, and they watched the scene of um, of him collapsing and calling out to his father um, and in despair, not knowing what to do, and the the appearance of Mufasa in the cloud, telling him to to be who he was meant to be, and to go back and challenge and um, take his rightful spot. And the music that they had recorded was playing, and they and they were all sitting watching this, and the lights came up, and everybody went, "Oh, this is going to be huge." Mm-hmm. Like that was their moment as they were well and truly into production of this movie. And they, it suddenly dawned on everybody, oh, this is about to be massive. And it went on to be. It's, um, we've seen a live action remake of it. Um, it's an iconic movie. When you think of, when you think of our nighttime spectaculars, um, or any moment where we go to put together a string of Disney moments and iconic scenes for our guests. Think of um, the projections onto the castle. Think of Fantasmic. Think of, yes, Harmonious. Um, like uh, there, are, there are certain movies that are going to make an appearance, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Like you're guaranteed whether it's a villain's aspect, whether it's a uh, a hero aspect, whether it's a sidekick aspect with you were listing voice actors and didn't mention Whoopi Goldberg yeah. and uh, Cheech Marin, but never mind, or Jim Cummings for the third part of that. Um, but I do love that Jim Cummings just laughed. He slaps the whole time. Anyway, just... <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, um, there's these awesome... 
uh, awesome moments and great acting and uh, voice acting and animation moments that are still stay with us. And not only is it important to the 1990s, it's just important overall. Well, you know, it's so this movie has such a such a, a hand on what Walt Disney brought to the animation style and the animation idea with the Disney company because Walt whenever he thought of Bambi thought you know what I want to bring live animals onto set I want to uh you know let you draw live animals this is what we're going to do we're going to create stories around these animals around Bambi around and this was the idea that Charlie Fink who at the time was the uh was the head of Walt Disney Animation he had, he was like, hey, we need to get back to this idea of, of going back to the animalistic aspect of Disney animation. And he comes to Jeffrey Katzenberg and he comes to Roy Disney. And I remember there's a great story where Jeffrey Katzenberg says, that's stupid. Like, that's not going to work. It's a horrible story. I don't like it. Um, and they continue to work and continue to develop kind of this idea of, you know, how the animals would work together and the family aspect of things. And they came back to Jeffrey Katzenberg on um, this plane ride to Europe and Jeffrey Kasper says, that's perfect. Let's do it. You know, let's let's try this out. And he jumps at the idea, and, and thus you get the, the start of, of The Lion King. I mean, it's basically Hamlet on Safari. It is Hamlet on Safari. 100%. <laughs> Hamlet just on Safari. And that's, that was the idea they kind of had. Um, outside of the importance of the animation style and the animation aspect and where it continued to grow the animation portion of the company because we'll talk in the future on this episode about that um mike the importance of this movie i think as parents and as a family when you look at it i don't know if there's another disney animated movie that can get me to tears quicker than the lion king can no and you know i'm not a crier and it's definitely one that gets me choked up uh i i you know the, the whole you know son growing up. You know I don't you know I don't have a, I don't have a boy, but I have girls, and and I'm and I'm watching them grow up and become what they're supposed to be, and 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 they're at that later part of their life. Um, it, it's one of my absolute favorite movies. Um, I wouldn't say it too loud, but you know even I named my dog Simba. You know because you know after that movie, and if I say it too loud, he's going to come barreling through the door and probably knock over my computer because that's how he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I um, it's 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 a definitely a family favorite. It's and it's I think it's one of those movies that the entire family can enjoy and enjoy it for different reasons. You know, I think the kids enjoy it for you know for the movie that it is, and I think Lauren enjoy it. For, Lauren and I enjoy it for the parent aspect of it too, as well. So um, it's it's definitely the. the the top of my list and you know it holds a special place in my heart as well you and i sat side by side mike on a uh, the gdp cruise years ago um this was mm -hmm. a theatrical release that they released it on the cruise ship whenever we yep. did it um i i was sitting next to you and at one point i touched your arm and i said i have to go and you said what's wrong and i said riley's upset and although she had seen the animated version i think she was just getting to that age where it hit her when mufasa dies and she couldn't watch anymore. Like she was upset about that idea of her dad dying. Right. And I think that's something that Disney animation, especially in the early nineties, did so well with not only did they connect to Killing parents. <laughs> they did kill parents left and yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. But they, I just that's what you <laughs> but meant. They they connected not only to the kids, but they connected to the parents too. You know what I mean? Like we understood where it was, uh, or I understand now as a parent where it was, and as a kid, I you know I was there. Um, Joe, have you seen The Lion King? Yes, I have. Seen. 
Oh, I've seen The Lion King, guys. Oh. Stop looking for another host. <laughs> All right, so let's get your opinion. Um, Joe, this, I think, is one of the most important movies in Disney history um, because it comes out and it gives this great storyline. But not only that, dude, it, the soundtrack of this movie is one of the greatest ever made. No, it definitely. The soundtrack is great. I mean, the, the plot is great. Um, I mean, listen... I love Pumbaa and uh, Timon and Pumbaa. I mean, like Pumbaa is my spirit animal. So it's like uh, my wife loves Matthew Broderick. So I see that. There's a lot of similarities to a Pumbaa. Uh, my wife says, um, you know, t- that she kind of gave me that. So, but uh, she, do you know what Pumbaa means? Uh, I feel like I've heard this before. I can't remember it now, though. Pumbaa is the Swahili word for foolish. Well, there you go. So. I love it. He also is very gassy too. So he is gassy. Oh. Well, yes. that too. <laughs> so, but uh, I mean, look, this is like was like this early nineties, ninety three, ninety four. This was released. I remember being in like chorus class in junior high and singing these songs like these and Beauty and the Beast and all that kind of stuff. I mean, these were like iconic soundtracks that like we sang in chorus class in junior high and stuff. So uh, that's kind of what I remember about this. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic. Uh, I don't have as much detail as Dave <laughs> in the plot of these, but it's a great classic movie. That's okay. And uh, yeah, it's something that I still get sad. Riley shouldn't feel bad. Uh, I still get sad at certain parts of the movie, but uh, in the end, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a great flick. Uh, Riley definitely shouldn't feel bad. There's a moment where like, I'll be on the Jungle Cruise and you're going through the African belt part where there's all the animals and the skipper will be like yeah there's those long neck cheetahs at the back there and there's the things that killed Mufasa and I'm always like whoa too why? soon why? come on well you gotta bring that on up again Patreon, like, on Patreon we'll talk a little bit about my Jungle Cruise experience um, this past oh goodness because I thought I thought my wife was gonna leave me but um, anyway it'll be good okay um, um, but really quickly on jo- what you were talking with Joe about um, the music aspect I mean Hans Zimmer so good is is a genius so, in his own right, and but that moment of those uh, of the wildebeest uh, cre- cresting the hill and storming into into the gorge where it's the just incredibleness that uh, was created with an orchestra there to uh, simulate the movement of animals. Those that opening scene, just amazing. Well, let's move we on. Agree. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. No. Can we all agree that that's probably the best stage show in all of all of Disney World? Yes. Oh my 100%. god! Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Festival of the Lion King, yes, hands down. It's not even close. Yep. They should move that show to Disney Springs and put it where Circuit. Like they, it needs that big of a theater. Well, here's here's the thing. So I just watched a couple days ago. I sat down for the first time in years and watched Beauty and the Beast. It's fantastic. It's good. Um, the performers are amazing, but it doesn't touch Lion King. Fest- I mean, it just it doesn't touch it. Like it's. It's no. it's not it's not even close. When you talk um, when you talk about like cast members who are performers, like that they're at the t- that's the that's the pinnacle. They're at the top of their game. Like you will never hear anybody say a bad thing about that show. The cast members in that show, and no. I think and I think that's one of the only shows when the pandemic happened and it was canceled. People were like really literally upset about that it wasn't coming back. I watched it today. It is stunning. I'm glad yeah, it's back it's, in full effect. It's fantastic. Um. Number four, The Lion King, 1994 classic. We're moving on to number three. Uh, a lot of people are going to be like, why in the world would Lion King be four and this be three? And I'll give you my idea of why we put it there uh, very shortly. We are talking about an incredible movie. And I'm going to go ahead and mention the first time we'll mention this person's name because we get a score written by the amazing Alan Menken. 
um, with uh, the the all six songs from this movie written by not only Alan Menken but the Sir Tim Rice, and we are talking about Aladdin. Um, this movie comes in. It is so important. The reason I have it here, Dave, and let's see if you agree with me, is that it backs up our number one um, as the second movie to come out out of the uh, you know kind of animation renaissance. And it is a absolute blockbuster, and we're talking about Aladdin. Dave? Oh, I just thought it was on the list in this spot because if it's any lower, Melanie, Melanie will, kill, will me. kill me. Yeah. As a, yeah. Yeah. She will come for you. Okay. She will figure out where you live. I may not have been to your house, but she will find you. Okay. Um, no. And uh, yes, it is a very important movie from that aspect as well. But it is. Okay, so this is the movie that as a kid I wore through the VHS. There are, like, this is the movie, like, literally right now, I can start with the first line of this movie and possibly miss maybe two or three total right. in the whole movie right. in order. Like, I can quote this movie front to back without hesitation. And like the right from the ah salam and good evening please please come close I welcome ah, ah like too close a little too close um that whole scene um with just the voice talent and genius that was Robin Williams um that is and then iconic songs um uh also Gilbert Gottfried mm-hmm. uh, as Iago um the late great, iconic yep. villains. Um, the, the, the hero aspect, but the, the downtrodden hero, uh, the boy in disguise element, there's so many different into the royalty versus uh, street rat, um, all of these different themes and storylines coming together. Um, it's another one of those movies that, uh, and I mean, this wasn't Alan Menken's first visit no. um, with the Disney company um, because obviously he was with Little Mermaid, which I can't believe. Well, it falls in 89, oh, so yeah, it didn't it's fit before, in the category. It's yeah. before. <laughs> um, so uh, it took me a second. I had to get my years right. Um, but yeah, so, um, but just an incredible movie, um, a great storyline. It ticks all of those boxes. And once again, it's another one when you visit, um, Phil magic. Yes. Uh, you're going to get, uh, Lion King. You're going to get Aladdin. Um, and you're going to get, uh, our number one spot as well. Like the, these, these iconic movies that made these moments, uh, that continue to be at the forefront where we're now 30 years later and these movies continue to be at the forefront of what we are driving our, our spectaculars and our presentations and the Disney company with, they continue to be there. Yeah. We've had other movies come and go, but they're not taking the spot of these iconic moments. Think about all of the movies that have come over the years and yet these top four movies will stand the test of time in in that, in the parks, in our in our hearts. And I, I really do think when we look back at I'm not even talking about Disney movies. I'm talking about iconic movies in history, these top four will be on that list of top twenty five uh iconic movies in history. Joe, um when we talk about Aladdin, like Dave said, it plays such an important role in the parks now. With, I mean, has its own attraction, has its own meet and greets. Um, you know, whenever we talk about uh, certain um, 
uh, uh, parades. You know, you you see them in in the parades. It means so much to so many people. Aladdin. Joe, have you seen Aladdin? Yes, I have seen Aladdin. <laughs> it's also got its own oh, light. Joe, we are walking a tightrope this evening. I get nervous every time. Ner- I get, that's why I stuttered. Round, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, should I ask the it? I don't know. sweat is beating down my face right now. Um, the one thing I actually don't like that the Disney company did, Dave, is they made Genie, you know. <laughs> I think of like Aladdin and Genie now. I think of like Genie Plus and I got to buy it now <laughs> whenever I see it. But um, yeah, it's one of these movies where, um, so I'll say this. This area of like Disney film, right? Aladdin. Uh, we were just talking about Lion King being introduced into the parks. We see all these new films and new IP that's coming out from the Disney company, and they're trying to insert it into the parks. There might be some a little bit of resistance, right, from like our, us old school fans. Like, that's not classic Disney. That's not the Fab Five. That's that's not this era that we're talking about now. But I think that like we need to let that happen because if if that didn't happen from these early 90s movies, we wouldn't have those great attractions in the park that we have now. So the IP that's being introduced now, hopefully our kids or the next generation will enjoy how we enjoy this. You know what I'm saying? Like Aladdin brings so much to the parks with, you know, the ride, you know, the um, the magic carpets of Aladdin, the shows, like you said, uh, being a phantasmic. It's, it's got a lot going on. It has a lot to um, – yeah, a lot that it brings to the parks, and uh, you know, I really hope that the uh, the next generation of IP does the same thing that this does. Mike Aladdin wins two Academy Awards. Um, has tons of accolades for its its soundtrack and everything. Um, it grosses. It's the first ever ever. It's the highest grossing film in 1992. First off, let's just put it at that. No matter what's above it, it's still the highest grossing film in 1992. It earns over 504 million dollars worldwide box office revenue. Right. It becomes the first animated feature. To reach half a billion dollar mark, and it's the highest grossing animated film of all time until Lion King surpasses it, which was our number four. Where does this movie fall for you, not only with your family, but in the importance with the Disney company? Well, family-wise, we'll start with that first. Now, Dave wore out the VHS tape, but Sarah must have burned a hole in the DVD because this was her uh, movie to watch when she was a kid. And, you know, we always, I wouldn't say pushed her to wear certain, you know, dresses, but um, she was fond of Cinderella. She was fond of Belle. So we would always buy those, and we would buy those, and she would still want to wear the Jasmine costume. She always loved her. That was one of her favorite characters. So, you know, Sammy had her movie, but this was one of Sarah's favorite movies. So I I love it. I got a little burned out on it because it would be on a constant, 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 constant loop. And you can you watch so many movies so many times. No matter how many times you love a specific movie, it's good. It's a great movie. Um, that's one of the ones that Sarah would burn through. I think one of the other ones I'm burned out from, you know, from Sammy's movies was Monsters Incorporated. I can't tell you how oh, many times yeah. I've watched that. Um, that was Sammy's go-to. That's what we put her on to calm her down during feedings, put her to sleep, whatever it was. This was Sarah's go-to. So like, like Dave burned it out. Sarah burned this one out, and Sarah, I can't tell you how many of those costumes, outfits, and, and things she would wear, and she it was constant Halloween costumes, which she would wear around the park, and it was good because it was kind of a smaller costume, so uh, in those hot Disney days running around the parks, there wasn't a lot of you know fabric to be worn, especially when you're there in August, so um, so I, I think it's great. I, I think their role in the park was, was especially important to build that bond with uh, Sarah going there as a young kid and really enjoying it, going to... Two Arca shows and having the 
um, you know, and having the Disney princess and having different princesses come there to meet and the meet and greets. And I have quite a few pictures of Sarah with her doing meet and greets in the parks. So, uh, and, and riding the simple ride is the carpet ride. You know, it's one of those rides that even at a tiny age, no matter how much of a little baby you are, you know, you can get on that ride with an adult and, you know, get to take that magic carpet ride. So a uh, huge part of my family. I'm glad that a lot of it carries over to the parks because that I think solidified Sarah's love for going to the parks when you can kind of go there, relate to something that you love so much and be able to, you know, really enjoy it when you actually go at that age. hundred percent. I completely agree. Super important film to the Disney company in the 1990s. We're going to move on to number one. Last, yeah, go ahead, Dave. One last thing. Just wanted to say also really loved the remake of it. More it was fantastic. Um, I loved it. They did such a good job. Uh, they incorporated some new music, yeah. but not too much, um, and some really great renditions of songs, some great voice acting again, um, and another great opportunity for Alan Tudyk to play a bird. Like It's really his wheelhouse. I, so. I, I, I loved it. I, I really did like the remake. <laughs> uh, moving on to number two, um, guys, this may be number two and number one or flip-flop here um, because it – Creates, I, I think they're in the right spot. You think so? It creates a super yep. important bond between um, two companies. And I'm going to say a couple names, and then, Dave, I'm coming to you. Um, I'm going to go Jeffrey Katzenberg. The first time we've heard this name, Michael Eisner. Of course, the first time we've heard this name, the amazing Steve Jobs and the incredible John Lasseter. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about Pixar. I'm talking about the first time the Disney company joins with Pixar, and we get the amazing voices of our good friends Woody and Buzz, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen in Toy Story in 1995. Dave, this changes the game for the Disney company. This changed the game for animation. This this was a a huge project that had been building towards for a decade. Um, I actually got to talk about this story today and I find it really crazy that, uh, we then get, um, an episode where this comes up and is relevant, but I was, uh, at visiting Toy Story Land today and talking about, uh, something that I've mentioned in this, uh, podcast previously where there is the barcode, um, talking about the origination date of Pixar mm. as uh, February 3rd, 1986. And Pixar came as a small department of industrial light magic, ILM, part of uh, Lucasfilm, that got bought out by Steve Jobs. And Steve said, I'm going to take these creative people and let them loose. They're no longer going to just work on something for George Lucas and uh, the Lucasfilm brand. They, they're going to they're going to spread their wings. They're going to figure out what they want to do. They're not going to have these parameters on them. And they're also going to have these new awesome computers that my company is producing. And they... And that was 86. And nine years later, nine years later, where we've got, we've got Toy Story. Mm -hmm. Like this is such a huge moment for, for animation to be able to say this was an entirely computer generated movie where our guests got bought into a world that nothing had been hand drawn for it. And Parts of it you can look at and be like, oh, they they hadn't figured out how to draw humans very well. Andy's mom looks a little weird on a couple <laughs> of occasions, but but they 
this was such a benchmark for the Disney company and for animation in general that this is a huge moment. And once again, it has stood the test of time. The characters are still relevant. We have an entire land in a park dedicated to uh, this franchise that grew out of it. And, um, and it's an all-round incredible movie. Uh, we've done the best Pixar movies. And if I'm not mistaken, this came in number one. Yes, right? 100%. Like, I'm like, this had to come in number one. So, um, like, it's only fitting that it should definitely make an appearance in this list. Well, so, Mike, if we look at this, um, I love, I've talked about this before, I love creative people and I love people that take chances. Um, It's one thing, you know, personally, this is between me and you that, you know, I love about you that you'll take a chance and you'll live by your chances and and you stand by your, 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 you know, your chance you take. In nineteen so in 1986, Steve Jobs goes and he he gets you know purchases Pixar, or he help he doesn't purchase he helps with with Pixar with the financing of Pixar. Um, in nineteen eighty eight, John Lasseter, who has now you know left Disney and all that, is uh, goes and produces a short film called The Ten Toy, and the short film is based on the perspective of a toy. Um, and like classic toys in the area. So it goes on in 1989 and wins the Academy Award for the best animated short film. I love the fact that he then was able to take that, take it to Disney and say, look what we can do. If you give us a chance and you stand behind us with the Disney name, look what we can do. And Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg see the short and they go, let's do it. And all of a sudden, this magical bond is filmed, or bond is 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 grown between Pixar and Disney. And now we have dozens of of projects that they have done together, and it's changed the, not only the Disney film landscape but also the parks landscape as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's 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 amazing how they, they they took the chance and, and they ran with it and it was a, a huge success. I mean, there, there's not an aspect of the parks where you don't see some representation of that movie or the characters from that movie. Now, you're talking about an early movie that was out in the early 90s and I guarantee you when you're walking around on Halloween this year, you're going to see some 9 and 10 year olds who weren't around during the 90s who are wearing Buzz Lightyear and Woody yep. costumes. I mean, it's just one of those things that it completely relates. I think what the important part of the success, success to that movie too was watching it the first First time as a parent seeing our childhood toys you know represented there because you know my kids weren't playing with extra sketches and jacks and some of those other toys that we played with as kids so i think they did a great job of um you know grabbing the parents and saying hey we want to have a good family movie you enjoy this here's a little retro stuff for you to kind of you know grasp onto and let your kids enjoy it for what they enjoy it for you know the story the characters and whatnot um Sid is definitely one of the ultimate bad guys. Uh, yeah. He's one of my favorite characters ever. Um, I, I think he's the meanest, uh, nastiest kid. I think he's the top up there with some of the best Disney villains. So, I mean, when you talk about the characters and the different kind of personalities and the personalities of the toys, you know, how the T-Rex is just just the way, I mean, they could have made it any kind of personality. They could have made him fierce, but to have that, that goofy kind of scaredness when he's a T-Rex and um, they really, really scripted it well. They really they played it well. The voices were really well. And I think that, obviously, you know, it, it definitely belongs in the top of the list and where it is right now. And um, it's it's definitely one that will stand the test of time for decades and decades to come. Dude, I, Joe, when you go to the parks, is like Toy Story Land. Like, we talk about attractions. 
we talk about certain movies that have a show, like Lion King, or maybe have an attraction, but this has a whole land in Hollywood Studios. Not only that, I mean, like it's it's plays a part in every single Disney park pretty much across the world. Yeah, I mean, I personally think they could have made it a little bit bigger. I would have loved to have seen Toy Story Land expand a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, it's a successful franchise. Mike hit the nail on the head where it's fun to see toys that we grew up with now like come to life and, and little kids now, and I guarantee I was just talking about Halloween at the beginning of the show where I guarantee I'm going to see a Buzz Lightyear or a Woody or, you know, I mean... Wheezy, or I don't know, kids dress up nowadays, you know, but like one of the great characters from that movie, you know, walking around Halloween trick or treating. I mean, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's introduced in all the parks. I think uh, it's only going to get bigger, uh, even though they've kind of stopped making the films right now. It's going to be something that lives, you know, lives on for the, uh, you know, foreseeable future. And it's obviously going to be a, uh, a Disney Pixar classic. Oh, dude, I, where does this, so for Toy Story for you, Joe, I'm, I didn't even ask the question. I'm assuming you've seen Toy Story. Yes, I have seen Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> See, I knew it. See where we're getting to? Top of the list. You know what? I don't blame him though. Joe didn't. You know what I mean? He's doing the important ones. You know what I mean? He's putting the the, the priorities now, right, right where it needs to be. Um, like Toy Story's so rewatchable too, Joe. Like if you if you were to watch it now, that's the amazing part to me is when we rewatch Toy Story now. The fact that the they got it so right so early, it's almost like the Jurassic Park of animation. Like I can rewatch Jurassic Park with CGI, and it doesn't take me out of it. It doesn't look like it was made in the time frame that it was. It's timeless. It's uh, you know we I watch a lot of old shows right compared because I don't watch a lot of Disney movies right, but I watch a lot of old shows like you know Three's Company, Love Boat. I love the seventies and eighties shows. You could tell that they were filmed in those periods of time just by like the film that they use and the and the the actors what they're wearing and just the mannerisms. But like Toy Story, like for being a um, animated i guess for a computer animated film it looks like it was made like today almost i mean it stands the test of time it's not something that you're seeing that's dated you're like ugh, like this is like kind of terrible it's kind of like the you know you know you're a big simpsons guy justin right you see those original episodes of the simpsons that are on tracy i wasn't aware they were awful they're absolutely awful and you could tell that they were made a long time ago now obviously the simpsons is amazing it's been amazing for years um but yeah, the original episodes were were not good, <laughs> and uh, you know. So, but that's not the case with Toy Story. It's uh, they really did hit the nail on the head when they when they when they created it. Right before we came on the show, uh, Riley and I were watching the episode where Homer goes to the candy convention and he gets the uh, babysitter for the kids, and then the the babysitter gets the the gummy stuck on her butt, and then somebody takes a picture and says, "Yeah." So uh, go watch that episode. It's a really good one. Um, yeah, look, Toy Story is oh, Toy Story is so good. Uh, I, for me, it's it's a staple in our house. I absolutely love it. But we're moving on to number one. It's the most important movie for the Disney Company in the 1990s, and I don't think it's even close. I really do think this this movie without it, I don't think Disney is where they are today as far as animation. And I'm going to say a name that we have not said yet. We've said a lot of them. We said a lot of great ones like Alan Menken. We said a lot of great ones like Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, and but I'm going to say one that really, if you don't know about this man, you should go right now to Disney Plus and type in his name because there is a documentary on there that you could watch and you could see the importance and the genius that he had within the Disney Company um, as a songwriter. And we're talking about the amazing late uh, great Howard Ashman. Um, really a genius when it came to to bringing song scores into a film and and being able to do it um and i'm talking about 
1991 classic Beauty and the Beast. It is, I think, what is perfect uh, cinema, perfect animation. It was needed at the time, Dave, that Disney was coming off what was the start of the uh, animation renaissance. You know, we're coming off the Black Cauldron in the late 1980s, and, and Disney realizes for the fact that they say, look, this is this is not working. Um, you know, Roy Disney and uh, uh, Michael Eisner at the time come in to take over the company, and they say, hey, we're not getting rid of animation. Animation is the key to Disney. This is what our basis is. This is our pillars. This is what we are. And they stand up to people and they say, we're going to redo what we have. And they bring in Jeffrey Katzenberg. And although the three end up butting heads and, you know, have a have a kind of troublesome future, they do save animation with The Little Mermaid in 1989. And although that is a one-hit wonder was what pe- people thought, in 1991 they go on and they bring Beating the Beast to the big screen. And it is a absolute success. It goes on to win um, multiple awards, Academy Awards. It is an absolute barn burner for the Disney company. And I don't think people realize the importance this this film plays uh, to what you have now, not only within Disney film, but also with the Disney parks. 100%. I mean, that's a really interesting uh comparison and thought that you just brought to brought to the forefront that we went from Black Cauldron in 1986 mm-hmm. to Beauty and the Beast in 1991. We went from something that was really not great by it was, any stretch it was awful. of the imagination. It was, it was, it was like, complete okay, dumpster cool. fire. We're, 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 you, we're using those words. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, we went from something that was awful in 1986. And I love, I, I will acknowledge that you jumped immediately to Little Mermaid. I mean, they really did start to turn it around and start to focus heavily on um, with uh, Great Mouse Detective, uh, Oliver and Company yes. were a couple in the middle there in 87, 88 respectively. Um, and, and then yes, we hit 1989 little mermaid and they're like okay the, the, we we've remembered how to do this we've still got enough people that remember how to do this and we've got the creative juices uh and the creative chops to make this happen we're w- now willing to take some risks um and they go for it and knock it out of the park like th- there's uh, there may be some conversation uh in our Facebook group about the, these rankings and some of these positions. Um, I, I, I don't think anybody is going to come out swinging saying that, that beauty and the beast doesn't deserve to be there. Um, and here's the other thing to think about is that we're doing movies of the entire nineties, which we've had some great movies we've talked about. And the one in the number one spot was in 1991. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the decade, yeah. And we continue to release some epic movies that we haven't even got on, onto this list and we'll probably make quick reference of, even though we're already over an hour right now um, in this episode. But, um, but yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Like, uh, I challenge anybody to say it doesn't deserve to be there. It 100% does. It's classic in every sense of the word. Um, iconic voice acting again. The literally... So such a recent moment, uh, Angela Lansbury, yeah. but also uh, Jerry Orbach and um, some great music writing. It is um, 
it is Howard Ashman's last real movie yep. that it is his last movie that he contributes to. For, um, like there's there's so many elements that meet at this at this juncture that make it iconic, make it classic. And make it number one. Um, if you have a chance to do it, Mike, uh, I don't know if you've watched it yet before. It's on Disney Plus. Um, actually, before it was on before Disney Plus, was the thing I used to have to go on YouTube and watch a terrible version of it. One of my favorite documentaries is called Saving Sleeping Beauty, and it's about the uh, reimagination and the, the the rebuilding of Disney animation. And one of my favorite stories from it is about Beauty and the Beast, and they talk about going to the Academy Awards. You know, they never the Academy Awards had never really, um, as far as musical scores, never really gone on the animation side and said, "Hey, we're going to even take into consideration an animated movie as one of our best original scores or best original songs." Um, and so they got nominated for both of those, and they actually won both. They they won the Academy Award for best original song with Beauty and the Beast, and they won um, for best original score. Uh, by Alan Menken, and they tell the story of they left the Academy Awards and they left the after party and they went straight to the hospital. And in the in the bed laid um, Howard Ashman, and because he was he was ill, and he was wearing a Beauty and the Beast sweatshirt uh, hoodie, and they brought him the Academy Award and they said, "Hey, you know, we won," and he was just so happy about the fact that his what he had done for his entire life of you know with stage and then now with animation was being recognized by a higher you know by by a higher power with academy awards so um it really plays such a huge role because then that opens up all these windows for for films in the future that have now gone on to win academy awards it beating the beast mike it's important to your family too it's not just the awards it's not just the movie this one is special to you and laura yeah, it's 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 Laura's absolute favorite Disney movie of all time. Um, I remember I, I don't want to give away her age, but uh, for her birthday we wanted to go to be our guest to eat there. It was a special birthday for her. It was a milestone birthday for her. You know, one of those those you know top member things where you want to have a memorable day. Um, and back then, well, even back then when it first opened, it was one of those impossible to get reservations. And luckily, we got that reservation in the park, and we got to spend her birthday uh, at the uh, be our guest restaurant. It's amazing to me how when you you look at the Disney company in a whole and you can look at princesses like Cinderella and Snow White from the early ages of that and you can take a 1991 movie and she stands she stands up there as a powerhouse of Disney princesses with the rest of them you know her and and Ariel those those, those 90 princesses you know you have the Fab Five and you talk about Mickey Donald Mickey um, and Minnie and then I think when you talk about the Fab Five of the princesses she fits right in with the ones who are your classic princesses from way back when and I think it shows a lot that movie that could come out you know quite a bit of time ago but not as not as classic as some of the other ones just she kind of feels like she's been there all along 100% she she is classic i'm going to jump in and steal this moment from justin because i want to know mike no sorry not mike joe have you seen <laughs> Beauty and yes, the Beast. And I've <gasps> Oh, thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm going to one-up you on that one. Not only have I seen Beauty and the Beast, <gasps> I've eaten dinner and lunch and breakfast in his castle. In Beast, in Beast castle? castle? I am so I've got a picture with him Have everything. you seen Beauty and the Beast live on stage at Disney's Hollywood Studios? I don't know. I probably have. 
I love this conversation yeah. with you, I mean, man. Don't pass all right, uh, man. Yeah. In two, two hours, I'm out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, question for you um, with regard to that um, Beauty and the Beast as a pivotal moment in 90s movies. Thoughts. No, I definitely agree. Opinions. I mean, I think that's like the we were talking about. It's like the golden era of like when Disney was like, you know, like I guess that's the Renaissance, right? Or like when they were they were pumping out all these like movies that were absolutely amazing. Uh, again, this is my memories is growing up as a kid singing these in chorus class. Yes, I was in chorus class. I was, you know, I was before. I guess my I do love hearing you before say that, my yes. voice cracked before I became a uh, pack a day smoker in uh, in high school and college. I actually had a pretty good voice, and we sang all we sang all of those songs. I mean. And um, that's what I remember. It was it was very iconic. It was very, you know, it was. I can't even describe it, man. But it was, it, it was it was amazing. It's a, it's a great movie, and uh, I don't know. I really don't. I, can, I don't know. So uh, was, why don't you sing? Yeah, why don't you, uh, sing, why don't you sing, sing a little bit? Joe? Yeah, can you? Let's go to those tales all the time. I'm having a hard time believing you. I like to. As old as rock. There he is. Okay, good deal. Uh, yeah, Stunning. Well, I tell you what, DDP family, listen. This is a list that I'm sure your homie are going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this. When you look at the importance that all of these movies play in the Disney company, it is really unquestionable. Like We cannot even talk about how important, the, even going back to the Muppet Christmas Carol, we have uh, within the Disney company for the fact that we have the Muppets in Hollywood Studios. I don't think that happens without the Muppet Christmas Carol, Dave. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I'm still, like, it's one of these things, I feel like it's such a limiting list. We don't hit Hercules, we don't oh, hit Tarzan, okay. we don't hit, there are some honorable mentions, Let's my friend. chat about it real quick before we get into real quick. Uh, to something else. Because um, Hercules and Tarzan, you know I'm passionate about both of them. You know Cat Dupre is going to, like, yeah. scream at you. Um, and neither, neither of those two are in here. What else is missing? Let me give you my reasons for a couple, okay? Hercules... Right. Uh, is is not there. Mike texted me and Michael's like, I can't believe you didn't put Hercules on this list. And I said, Well, because it doesn't really play a part in the in the uh in the parks. It doesn't really play a part in Disney company history, to be honest. It it's a filler. It wasn't a huge production release uh at the time. When Happily Ever After comes back, I am going the first time I hear it, I'm me. going to record <laughs> it and I'm going to send you a moment of that moment right. when well, ba ba bum 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 plays. Well you can okay. give me with that one. Now you can go and give me with this one too. Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh nineteen ninety six oh, classic. Oh my goodness. One of my favorite What is wrong? Probably with you? my favorite uh Disney soundtrack out there with uh literally without there. Um, there are so many great songs on that one. Uh, Bells of Notre Dame. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's a uh, topsy turvy topsy turvy day. day. Like it's uh. so many, so many great ones out there with that one. Uh, there are, st- here's the problem. If we just did a list of Disney animation, it'd be easy. But I think there's a lot of movies out there that play an important role in the Disney company that are not based on animation. And I think we had to take a, take a step back and take our own personal feelings out of it, Dave, and be like, okay, where should each? No, film I fall? I have subjective. Uh, I have a subjective conversation, which like is one hundred percent based on my <laughs> thoughts and opinions and emotions, and I I will be heard. Okay, I, I will, think you're about to mute I me. I will be heard. <laughs> 
You know, we talked a lot about how these movies played such an important part in the parks, you know, how they carried over, how, you know, we had places like Toy Story Land, we had places like the Be Our Guest Restaurant. You know, these these places, these movies played an important part in, you know, building the foundation of the parks and where we are. And you know what? If you happen to be on one of these iconic rides or at an attraction that was from these movies, I think you should take pictures of them. Put them on our Facebook page because we have an amazing DDP Facebook page. It brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of it's time for us to get our picks of the week. All right, fellas, I love picks of the week. And Joe, why don't you tell me what's your uh, pick of the week? So my pick of the week goes out to uh, Kyle McCammon, and uh, he is a he describes himself as a Disney Worlder, and I guess a lot of us are because we're on the East Coast and we love Walt Disney World. But it looks like he's gone out to Disneyland for the first time. And we all remember our first time going out to Disneyland. It's a different experience, but a very historical experience. And it looks like he's having a blast out there. He's kind of giving a little bit of a recap of what he's doing out in uh, in, uh, in Disneyland. And uh, for that, thank you for sharing your trip uh, with us on our uh, on our Facebook page. And for that, Kyle gets my pick of the week. Very cool, Dave. What's your pick of the week? Uh, my pick of the week goes to, well, obviously, uh, it goes to Ashley Fennelly Hamill and Anthony Martinez uh, because they went to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party and they dressed as something very near and dear and special to me. Uh, they went as uh, Bandit, Chili, and Bluey Healer. Um, once again, I put it out there. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I challenge you to watch three episodes and stop. And um, and I love it. Uh, uh, their little one even carried a bingo a plush with her as well so that they had the whole family present. Um, just cute costumes, really well done. Um, and they get my pick of the week. Very cool. Justin, I'm going to steal the next pick before I go to you because we had another Disney worlder who went out to Disneyland. That was Kevin Hopkins, and he got some great pictures of uh, his trip recap and some of the stuff that they got to do, and they got some great pictures on there on the uh, Disneyland Fire Engine and a whole bunch of other pictures. So, uh, Kevin Hopkins, you have my pick of the week. I love Justin, it, man. I'm going to jump in. Um, go ahead. Look, there's not too many times in life that you're gifted great friends. You know what I mean? Like, I have... The four of you guys, and then Dan's there too. Um, you know. <laughs> uh, by the way, Dan will be back hopefully next week. Dan is working tonight. Um, he misses you guys. He wish he could be here. Um, the one thing that this Disney podcast has done is it's allowed us to meet a lot of fantastic people. And it's funny whenever you meet people, you never know where your relationship's going to go. You know, as as friends, and then as brothers, and and you know you. You, you go through life kind of together. And this person I've been friends with and brothers with and really close with for now five years, almost five years. And I've we've gone through ups and downs together. We've gone through, um, you know, tragedies and we've gone through really high times. Like the fact that I got to watch him have one of the best days of his life uh, this past week was really important to me because I know how important it was to him. And that is the fantastic Rick Reagan. Um, for those of you who don't personally know Rick, I want to tell you a little bit about him. He has one of the biggest hearts and greatest characters of anyone you'll ever meet. Um, he is one of those people in life who is genuine almost to a fault. And at times it will, uh, you know, it, it's, it's almost a bit overwhelming because you try to match his 
just lovely, amazing, you know, genuine personality. And it's almost impossible because I don't think there's too often that people, there's that many people created in the world that are like that. And four days ago, he was able to do something I know he's really loved to do because, you know, the four of us love Disney. And if you're listening right now, you love Disney. But Rick lives Disney and he loves Disney. And he was able to become a Disney cast member. And he went through traditions and he got his uh, name tag. And I just know how important it was to him. And I know how much it means to him to be a part of this company. And I just want to say, buddy, on the behalf of Mike and Dave and Joe and Dan and the entire DDP family, everyone that knows and loves you, congratulations. We love you so much. Um, we can't wait to see you around the property. Um, hopefully you don't attack me in the middle of Hollywood studios like some cast members do. <clears throat> Dave, um, you know, and, uh, dude, just couldn't, couldn't be prouder of you, man. Couldn't, couldn't absolutely. And actually Dave, it's funny you say about the bluey thing. So I, I stayed at Rick's house, uh, last Wednesday before we checked in at Saratoga Springs and I get there about 1130 at night and I open the front door and bluey's on. And it's just him and Josh. And for those of you who know, Josh, Josh is his teenage son. And I said, what are you watching Bluey for? And he goes, because Dave uh, dared that we couldn't watch three episodes and not be hooked. <laughs> so he was taking your challenge uh, to heart uh, with that. So congratulations. It's a thing. It, it's a thing. I guess so. We didn't get through three episodes, though, because then I got there and, and derailed the whole thing. Um, but congratulations, buddy. Um, welcome to Disney Company. And I couldn't be prouder of you. Love you, man. Very cool. Yeah, well, uh, just touching on that real quick. You know, certain people come in your lives and certain people have certain impacts in my lives. And the Stolfi family is much better off having the Reagans as part of our family. And uh, congratulations to you. I'm so glad to see you as a cast member. And uh, that now I, you know, I know another guy. So I'm, I'm happy to right? see you. Right? This is when you're not going to bug me anymore about being like your token cast member. Can that be Rick now can moving we, forward? Can we, all right. can we all admit, I love hold you, on, Rick. can we all hold admit on. something right now? Like, one, has anybody else, does anybody else get the phone calls from Dan like I do? I'm trying to train Dan to text and not call. So uh, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. That's going to take a while. He is a grandfather. So a little. Well, I, I, you, you see what I send everybody. So I think he's blocked my number by now. So. All right. I, dude, there are moments where I have like like two minutes to chat and I'm like, I need to call him because this is going to take like six minutes to type messages back and forth. Oh, and our conversation this morning. Like, is that what you're talking about? Oh, also that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I just get the disappointment of knowing you're eating terrible foods and killing yourself a little by time, but cause you're always at McDonald's. So I was just impressed you had pants on. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's we're good. Um, DDP family, I hope uh, you guys <laughs> enjoyed this episode. Um, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And look, the the 90s were such a great period for the Disney company because not only do we get a brand new Disney park, um, but also you have some great movies that come out that influence those Disney parks in the future. I absolutely love it. I love getting into this. It is a little bit longer episode than normal, but I think it, it deserves us taking the time to really give each of these movies uh, their due. Uh, let's get into some closing words because with patron side, we got some fun stuff. We're going to talk about my trip uh, where I was just at Disney for a very, very quick stint. And also we're going to talk a little bit about this new idea of instant gratification um, within the Disney uh, parks a little bit. So uh, starting with some closing words, Joe, coming to you first. 
Well, first of all, uh, <clears throat> I have some homework to do, so I'm going to put a poll in uh, Facebook for whatever movie I should watch next. So y'all let me know what I should be watching, and uh, I will report back. But uh, great show. Had a good time with you guys tonight. Thank you for not holding it against me, not making fun of me too much. And Patreon, stand by. You guys are on deck. Mike? Uh, I know it's, this is going to post after Halloween, but I'm going to say hopefully we get to see a lot of really cool Halloween costumes from your kids out there. Be safe trick-or-treating. Have a good time, everybody. Uh, I hope everybody had a blast for their Halloween. I will say that I'm going to try and record next week, but I will be going away to the South Carolina Police Academy starting November 6th, and I'll be going away for three to four weeks. So during those three to four weeks, if you don't hear me on the show, believe me, I will be on the Facebook page. I will be stalking you guys like crazy. I will miss you dearly. But it's one of those sleepaway things where I gotta I gotta go get a state certification. So if I miss you for a few weeks in a row, I'm terribly gonna miss you. So I will do my best to chat with you guys online as much as I can. Send me the text. I'll have my phone, but the recording is definitely not gonna be there because I'm gonna be in Columbia, South Carolina for a few weeks. I am not looking forward to it. It's something that I need to get done. And um, believe me, I would much rather be here with you guys instead of waking up at 5 a.m. doing push-ups and running and doing all sorts of drills and takedowns. So uh, I will certainly miss you guys, but hopefully I get to talk to you next week. And like I said, hope everybody had a good Halloween. Dave? Uh-huh. I'm still reeling at some of the movies that we left out of list list. Uh, Rocketeer didn't even make an appearance. Um, like, ah, oh, there's going to be some upset people. There's going to be some fallout, but, um, and flubber. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't be. Um, well, if, love it. If you do some have any, great uh, movies. if you do have any complaints, it is Disney dad, Dave at gmail.com. Send him That's your line, complaints. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever checked his email before, but I think, I think I lost the pop. Password to that one. Anyway, <laughs> Disney that day. Um, it was, um, it DDP, was great to chat about them. Thank you. Yeah, DDP family. Listen, you can get a hold of us uh, at uh, DDP today at gmail.com. Of course, we are still raising money for Gift Kids of the World. So go down, click that link, and you can donate there to help send families of uh, children that are going through some really hard times to the Central Florida theme parks at no cost to them. Uh, something that our Sorcerer's Running Team is getting going for Marathon Weekend. I'll be down there for Marathon Weekend to hang out um, to uh, to see everybody, and so I'm excited about that. Also, if you're wanting to be a part of the DDP patron family, of course that link is there. For as little $2 a month, you can become a patron member and get access to all that extra stuff. So go check that out. And last but not least, if you enjoy what we're doing, had a lot of new members today. Welcome, or this week. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. We appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, if you like what we're doing, share this with uh, with your friends. Grab that link. Put it on your Facebook. It helps us. And also, make sure to give us five stars. Give us that virtual hug. Helps us grow the show. DDP patron fan or DDP uh, family. We love you so much. Patron family, hold on. We're coming right on the other side. Have an amazing week. Spread some Disney cheer. Smile. Make someone else smile. And until next time. We'll see you real soon. Have a good one, everybody. Cheers. Have a good night. See you guys. On behalf of the Disney dads, we want to say thank you. We hope you find a little magic in your life every day, spread some Disney love, and keep moving forward. And they all lived happily ever after. Each of us has a dream a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within.
And that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.